Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix Hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastermatrix.com. That's podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. Few words can explain an entire season of entertainment, especially from a time when a season of a program was 26 episodes. Oh, and by the way, it was more than 30 years ago. Friday the 13th, the series, wasn't a show that had anything to do with Friday the 13th. You know, the the movies, Jason Voorhees, hockey masks, all that. What it did focus on was the hunt for cursed objects, the kind that come from Uncle Lewis's vault. The first season of Friday the 13th, the series, flew by. And inside this episode, the Curious Goods 201 podcast, we'll be sharing our comprehensive recollections of the first season's episodes, a spotlight on our three favorite episodes, a darker showcase of our not-so-favorite three episodes, and prepare you for the Season 2 review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a revisit, a retelling, and a complete educational detailing of Friday the 13th, the series. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. The Podcaster Matrix. A quick hello from the Curious Goods Podcast to all of our returning friends from the recent podcast movement in Orlando, Florida. Again, for those that don't know really anything about podcasting other than what you're listening to, there's an entire fabric and industry that is growing around podcasting. Mm -hmm. And they all come together to meet annually at an event called Podcast Movement. And recently, the most recent one was in Orlando, Florida. I just wanted to take a moment to say hello to all of our fellow podcasters who are hosting their podcasts and getting tutelage from Podcaster Matrix, the folks that host and foster our podcast effort. You can find out more about them if you go and visit podcastermatrix.com. Tell them that the Curious Kids Podcast sent you. Nick, we've got 26 episodes to somehow detail to this audience it's time to get to this episode the 201 of the curious goods podcast our show starts 
with the introduction of Louis Vanderdee. Or Vanderdee, how we say it here in the Midwest. <laughs> Louis is a little perturbed because, well, you know, he sold his soul for fortune, and everything in his antique shop is cursed. You know, Mike, when you have the devil breathing down your neck, mm. Mm. It sometimes makes you want to rethink your life. True. And True. this actually happened to Lewis. He decides, no, I can't do this anymore. I denounce Satan. And you know what happened to him? He got a freight elevator straight to hell. Yeah, he went to sleep with the flames. Is he, where he, slept, he sleeps with the flame in the chalk hole. Yeah. Now with his death... His only, evidently, two remaining relatives, which isn't true at all, but maybe the most gullible of the two <laughs> living relatives are his niece and nephew from different sides of the family. Right. So they're not, they're cousins, but they're not, but, but by marriage. And also the most television capable, apparently. Yes, very television capable. You get Ryan Dalion, mm -hmm. or Ryan Dalion, as we like to call him here in the Midwest. And then you've got Mickey Foster. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the two of them have decided, well, we don't really want an antique store, so right. they have a whole going-out-of-business sale, <laughs> and they sell almost everything, everything. Right. in the building. Right. Just as they're about to lock up for that last night, oh, we've done a great, we've got money, we, we've made a lot of money here. Their peace and quiet is interrupted by Jack Marshak, mm -hmm. who evidently used to work with Lewis, acquiring some of these antiques. Jack lays the 411 on Mickey and Ryan about, well, it seems Lewis made a deal with the devil mm -hmm. and all of these antiques are cursed. Right. So right. now we have to hunt them down and get them back into the store and down in this special vault that will keep all of the evil contained. Mm -hmm. This has got to be a huge life altering event for these two youngsters because. You know, they have lives, they have loved ones that they want to get back to, but now they, they, they are on the sacred quest. And this first item that they, they go out to try to reacquire is this China doll mm -hmm. that has telekinetic powers and kills anybody that upsets its owner, which mm -hmm. is a mm -hmm. tiny little girl in this episode. And that's pretty much the concept of the show and how every episode goes. Every episode has another cursed item that Mickey, Ryan, and Jack have to track down mm -hmm. and try to get back mm -hmm. and put in the vault. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not. Right. And while the hunt for these items is treacherous, and our three heroes have had some pretty close calls, they have survived mm -hmm. season one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unlike most of the people that show up in these episodes, because they're it's a lot of death. But, I mean, it's to be expected. They're handling cursed items, man. They're they're playing with literal hellfire. Yeah. So uh, they kind of deserve it. Yeah. Well, look, if you're gonna make an omelet for the devil, you gotta break a few eggs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, look, the, the bottom line is we can go through each and every one of the 26 episodes that we've already reviewed, but we're not gonna take this episode to do that. What we are gonna do is we're gonna point you over to our website. Yes. That's curiousgoodspodcast.com and right there on the front page is our complete episode manifest that not only gives you a very short brief to the point breakdown, not only the actual scores for each of the episodes, but direct links to each and every episode so that you can listen with one click. 
Be sure to check it out over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to see what Nick and I talked about during our entire first 27-episode season reviewing Friday the 13th, the series. Traditionally, inside of our regular episodes, we use the front half of the podcast to focus on three goods, the things that Nick and I recognized inside of the episode that were really worth highlighting inside of that episode. Inside of this episode, the 201, we're going to be focusing on the three episodes that had the highest rating inside of season one. Shadow Boxer. Shadow Boxer is an episode probably one of the most prolific that I remember because not only was it from towards the beginning of the season, oh yeah, it was yeah. during the fervor where I know that my father was the guy that said, hey Mike, come here and watch this with me. Mm. And of course, a, a kid that would want to spend time with his dad watching cool things like this, I, I was the kid. right? And so I remember vividly everything about this episode even this many years later after we'd reviewed it. And it's spectacular. Yeah. It gives you every single instance and sample of what you're going to see inside of the greatest episodes inside of this very first season of Friday the 13th. When the formula that they have works, it works. And this is one of those episodes that really knocks it out of the park for that. Game on. Game on for Uh, sure. It was actually the eighth episode of the season. And there were a handful of episodes before this that we really, really liked. But since it was so early in the season, we didn't want to automatically start handing out 10 ratings mm-hmm. to episodes because it was like, we, we need to get a gauge. Mm-hmm. And by the time we reached the eighth episode, we're like, no, sorry, there's, the, yeah, sure, there, there's a little bit of dings here, but that's that's age. And we're not going to fault the show for its age, right. for the fact that it's, you know, 30 plus years old. Mm-hmm. This was our first official, both of us rated it a 10. I, ironically enough, when, when I did the research to set all this stuff up, I found that you and I were not on the same page a lot mm-hmm. where the ratings for these episodes were were concerned. That's very interesting. It, it is. I mean, we've it's been podcasting now for about five years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we've spent enough time to where we can gauge each other's likes and yeah. interest and there, things like that. There, there's a significant chemistry set that's been set right. up between us right. over the last five years. There's no and, question. And I like the fact that this show kind of throws that out the window for us. And it's yeah. it's kind of like a new frontier. Yeah. And moving forward to season two, looking very forward to it. For any of our listeners who don't remember Shadow Boxer, well, it was about cursed boxing gloves. You put the boxing gloves on, and it allows you to take control of a shadow, this this living shadow that will kill for you. Mm-hmm. And it takes that, that death energy, and now you have the ability to win whatever fight you're about to uh, go up against in the ring. Mm-hmm. Very cool effects, very minimal effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the shadow, it's, it's one of those episodes where I remember it's, how do you fight... Something you can't touch. Right. But can totally touch you. Right. right. Well, not only that, but then the impact that it has. Mm. Well, you might be fighting someone that has the gloves on. That then means that you somehow have to kill them. Mm. Yeah. And, and it, it, I remember this episode because the actor that plays the bad guy inside of it is extraordinary. Yeah. Again, one of the things that we'll talk about forever, I think, inside of this show is the minimalist nature that's used to showcase what's going on 
whether if in this case it's the boxing gloves or something that's even got more ornate effects. And I, I, there was just not all that much going on in re- regard to special effects. Oh, yeah. Well, again, it's, and, you know, and it was late good. 80s. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah but, totally but, good. But, but it was very good. And, and again, as Nick said, it was our very first double 10. This was a fantastic episode. Again, as we go back and do our perspective review of our perspective reviews of a show, from <laughs> we're getting years extremely ago, meta, Mike. Yeah, we 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 are. But what I also remember is uh, just from these first two episodes, as you mentioned them, I instantly remember my dad. Mm. My dad was a whole hog meerschaum pipe owner yeah. and smoker. Thankfully, I think. The year of this, or perhaps the next year, is when my father stopped smoking. Mm. And I'm absolutely certain that I had him for a long-ass extra time right? Yeah. because he did stop smoking. I had a couple of bouts of cancer, but something he absolutely beat the hell out of, not unlike the gloves that we've just got done talking about. <laughs> uh, but inside of this episode, it was very special because the kitsch value of what you're seeing here. Well, what I remember most about this episode is the initial bad guy toking on the pipe. That's what I remember from this episode. And then, of course, the very minimalistic kind of garage days special effects of the (laughs) orange smoke. It was orange smoke, but then uh, what you called it the... uh Garlic mashed potatoes of death. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what you were calling it. The orange yeah. garlic mashed potatoes of death. And it's true. That's exactly what it looked like. It looked like somebody had kind of whipped up l- luscious, puffy orange mashed potatoes of death and was floating them around what was back then a kind of green screen. Right, yeah. That's what it kind of looked like. But beyond that, what we really do get here are some great, great character sketches and creation. Mm. Everything from Ryan's dad, mm. who is the main baddie inside of this, to all of the, I think, phenomenal storytelling that we get, along with some very interesting 80s tech yeah. in, inside yeah. of the, the super futuristic gun that's used towards the end. Yeah. I love this episode. I thought it was great. Well, for anybody who's been listening to our program, they know that I absolutely love character development. Yeah. And yeah. it's not just character development for our three main hero characters. That's a, that's essential. You have to do that right. in a anthology show mm-hmm. that actually has three main characters that are going to be showing up throughout everything. Mm-hmm. If it was a regular anthology show, you wouldn't have to worry about it. It would just be the cursed object and how it affects the people it's around. Right. But and now we actually have three right. heroes. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. have to grow and expand. Yeah. But when you take the time to actually give your your baddies your the people who are using the cursed object and they're not always evil people sometimes they're desperate and sometimes it's not necessarily the whole ends justify the means uh but again we'll, we'll get into more of that when we talk about our next selection but for this one when you actually get the character development of a family member you learn that Ryan's father was very close mm-hmm. to Uncle Lewis mm-hmm. and actually modeled his life on the quote-unquote success of his uncle. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, is that the only reason why his uncle was successful, he made a deal with the damn devil. Yeah. And what's really great, too, I think uh, the, the meat of this is that Ryan remembers when his dad started recognizing his uncle's rise to power slash success and now that he knows the whole story 
the regret that he has that he wasn't somehow able to step into the middle yeah. and prevent that from happening and thereby preventing everything that happens inside of this episode. Mm-hmm. It, it's very well done. It's it's much more a character sketch of Ryan and Ryan's dad inside yeah, of this right. than it really is the recovery of an item. But you layer in and stack on the recovery of an item inside of this, and it really is well done. What a mother wouldn't do. Mother Stunter. We leave one of the best for last here inside of this listing. There there are a few episodes inside of this initial 26 episodes mm-hmm. that have the impact, especially much later after you've seen it, than this one does. And again, it's because of the brilliant character development that yeah. is inside of this episode. Uh, along with the item. the I think that the item was phenomenal inside of this one as well. The item uh, is very specific. It's a very plain wooden cradle. Yeah. The backstory on it is that it was actually on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And there was a mother and her newborn child in this crib, and they were denied to be allowed on this life raft. Mm-hmm. And the lifeboat had seven people in it. And those seven people fell to their death. Mm -hmm. So the wink, wink, nudge, nudge of the devil's curse is for this cradle to work for your your, your purposes. To save your child, seven people must be killed Mm -hmm. in water. Now, that is very specific. But it's also one of those items that bring up that, that whole quandary of a question. Is it okay... To murder seven people if it's going to make a child, a baby, a newborn, live. Now, of course, you know, no, you shouldn't murder at all. But when it wraps it into the fact that if you stop the murders or take the child out of the crib, it's going to kill the child too. What do you do? Mm -hmm. Especially as a parent, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You want to protect your child, but... You also don't want to murder people. And again, the I think the mechanics case that's made here inside of this particular object, inside of this particular series, it's one of the things that's really drawn me back to the show, now watching them again these many years later, that deep detail that they draw inside of the mechanics workings of each of the objects, I think is intoxicating. Yeah. As, we, as we close out our favorite three episodes here, it is without question why I do wish this show would be remade Mm, because I think that this show now remade with as much more history as has now happened in just the last 30 plus years, Mm -hmm. I think would make for an extraordinary series with uh, upgraded special effects with the writing accolades that are just now so very thick, especially inside of much of our other television reviews that we run through. I would love to see this series get coddled by a series of writers, producers, and directors that I think would bring on the people that can act and make gold. We've gone through the three favorite episodes inside this season, but you know what? We're always curious. We want to know which episode during season one of Friday the 13th, this series you thought was best. Go on over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill in the web form and tell us more about your favorite episode from Season 1 of Friday the 13th, the series. Now, in a normal review episode, this would be the point where we would point out the three not-so-goods 
in the actual episode. But since this is a review of the entire season, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on our three lowest rated episodes. Bedazzled. Our third lowest rated episode of season one is Bedazzled. And Bedazzled starts off strangely because... Uh, Jack and Ryan grab the object within the first five minutes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's it's a uh, oversized lantern mm-hmm. that this old timey sea captain Harg uses to find treasure. Uh, what you do is you 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 point it at somebody, you burn them to death. They they go up in a puff of smoke, and the lantern then takes that death energy, and when you point it out into the water it will point out buried treasure mm-hmm. for you. Right. Okay, right. so I, I totally get very lucrative mm-hmm. for any salvagers. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets grabbed and put in the vault. So the actual episode revolves around Mickey being in the shop alone. Well, not totally alone because she also gets wrangled into babysitting on a <laughs> stormy, like a really stormy night. And very similar to the Home Alone movie, the salty pirate and his first mate try to break into the shop to get the damn thing out of the, uh, the the vault. And there are so many moments in this episode where I remember while we were watching it, we're like, really? Re- what? I-, I think the most egregious thing was the fact that, you know, you have dead bodies. You have a child that we, you were babysitting and mm-hmm. this child saw everything as well. Yeah. Cops were there and gone. I mean, a crime scene was all cleaned up by the morning for when Jack and Ryan returned from their not going to this really cool antique conference conference thingy at a hotel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they're like, so I I bet you had a boring evening last night. And Roby almost does the whole Mentos thing. She does. Where it's like, oh, no, yeah, it was just me washing my hair and having a relaxing evening. Wink. (laughs) I I think the the thing that got me the most about this entire episode was it wasn't the awkward mechanics of what was going on with the item. It was the awkward mechanics of what didn't happen inside of common sensedom inside this episode that really killed me for this episode. It, it's one that I know that I'll never forget, mostly because of all the things that we talked about, that I know all of you will love reviewing, even though it was not on the top of the great list. It surely is entertaining, and we point you directly to it via the links over at our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Bottle of Dreams. I just want to make one thing clear as we... Start this phenomenal review of our not-so-favorite-reviewed episodes of a reviewed television show from 30 years ago. Let me guess. Sure. What's that, Nick? You hate clip shows. I hate clip shows. I hate it because <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a dredge in the river of we didn't have anything else to do with this stuff. And if ever there was a sample of what I just explained... This is it. Yeah. Well, I mean, those types of episodes are also referred to as bottle episodes in in television. And the fact that the word bottle is actually in the title. A a double deuce. (laughs) A double deuce. And what makes it even worse 
is that it is the season finale. Yeah. It's the last taste that you'll have of the series for an entire, what I guess back then would have been about eight months. No, no, no. And, and that's not good. No. <laughs> that, that's not good to foster along a show. Thankfully, the show did come back because audiences weren't nearly as fickle as they are nowadays. Plus, there was no internet. True, true. And so the, the, the tools of being able to whine and complain about things obviously weren't in place. Mm-hmm. There was no mechanism to halt something in mid-season of anything. And the decision to do a season two would have already been made before season one ended. Yeah. So, again, I it seems like such a dark mark and almost a landmine mm. that they decide to have a show like this not only included somewhere in the milieu of the very first season, but as the season finale? Yeah. Ironically enough, it is not the lowest rated episode of the season, though. Nick, what is the lowest rated episode? Badge of Honor. Oh. My. God. I just got off the phone with Chief Chris. For those of you that are not familiar or forgotten already, Chief Chris is one of our local chiefs of police. Mm-hmm. Just, I was just talking to the pizza man this afternoon. <laughs> Chief, Chief Christy Giuseppe, a phenomenal man and 25-plus year vet of law enforcement. And one of the things that we talked about, I told him that we're going to be capturing a podcast today. He goes, oh, Mike, what, uh, what podcast are you going to be capturing today? And I go, you know, it's funny that you asked that. Because we're going to be talking about an episode where we talk a lot about you. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, really? Why don't you tell me more about that? And I go, well, you see, it's inside the worst episode. And, of course, I can hear the phone go silent. I'm wondering if he's actually hung up on me or not. (laughs) The bottom line, though, is that this, this episode, we talk about Chief Chris and many other people that we talked about in a variety of podcasts that are law enforcement officers inside this episode because of the incredibly bad representative sample that is showcased for law enforcement representatives inside of this episode. Add on that the effects were dicey. Add on that lots and lots of way too over-the-top from just about every single side, not just yeah. the bad guys. Yeah, it was it was everybody. It, everybody was amped up to 11 inside of the, let's make sure we're showcasing acting inside of this episode. This was one of those where they tried to be something that they weren't. They tried totally to be agree. a cop show. They yes. tried to be an 80s cop show yeah. with the yeah. supernatural angle, and it failed miserably. Yeah. It, it was Magnum 13. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It was, it was terrible. It was Vancouver Vice. <laughs> We use that. We use that. Right. Yes, that was the same joke I used in the episode. <laughs> What's and what makes it even worse? Even even worse. So so bad representation of law enforcement. Check. Horrible bipolarism of what the episode actually wants to be. Check. The actual cursed item is a sheriff star that when you touch it to somebody, it burns them and kills them. Okay. What does that have to do with what they were doing in the episode? It was one of those items that was kind of very, it was just very lackluster. I remember we talked about it. The story of the acquisition of the police getting that item was there was a serial killer who believed he was the reincarnation of a cowboy. Like Billy the Kid or something, something something like that. And he was using the sheriff's badge to kill people. Yeah. Now that story—that's that's compelling. Which is which literally only took about 
a minute Maybe. of time yeah. in the actual episode. Yeah. That story is more compelling than what the 44, the 45 minutes. minutes of this episode was. Yes. That, so, yeah, I mean, three strikes and you're out. This That, that is why, even though Mike does hate clip shows with a white hot passion, that's why Badge of Honor ended up being the lowest rated episode of season one of Friday the 13th, the series. Those were definitely our low-hung fruit when it came to season one of Friday the 13th. But we want to know what episode you disliked from season one. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Hit the contact button, fill out the web form, and let us know what episode just didn't do it for you. Typically, at this point, inside of our regular episodes, we're coming back from break and it's time for Nick and I to showcase our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element, perhaps even the object itself, or something else that trips our collective review night. Fantastic. Inside of this episode, what Nick and I are going to do is pick out our most representative manifest moment Mm -hmm. out of season one nick what have you got i think i'm gonna have to go all the way back to uh almost halfway through the season uh episode 12 faith healer directed by david cronenberg and introduces the concept of a glove that can take sickness away from somebody but then transfer it to someone else and then you know kill them but if you do not transfer the sickness away it's given to whoever is wearing the glove. This was a very creepy episode because of the practical makeup effects that they used for the, for lack of a better term, the diseased people Mm -hmm. that were being healed in this episode. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but also it was one of the episodes where we got to meet somebody from Jack's past. Uh, It was actually somebody who debunked faith healers. And you actually find out the reason why he was debunking them is because he was trying to find somebody who really could heal because he himself was suffering from cancer. Mm-hmm. So life or friendship, life beats out because this guy betrays Jack. And it was also one of the first episodes where we thought, both of us thought we knew where the episode was going to go. And then there at the, the 30 minute yeah. mark mm-hmm. was like a, 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 a whole 180 that we didn't see going. I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those nice surprises. And that's why episode 12, Faith Healer, sticks out in my mind. And I've chosen it as my season one manifest moment. I think that's an incredible choice for your manifest moment. Obviously, one that leaves a very large impression on anybody that watches it. My manifest moment for this season has got to be. Pirate's Promise. For those that have forgotten, Pirate's Promise deals specifically with a foghorn that is the item that is cursed inside of it. The storytelling is wonderful. The acting is beyond reproach. The way that they showcase the item so that it's not goofy and cartoony, Mm -hmm. which it could instantly be being a foghorn, and it's not. They, They do a wonderful job of doing that. More importantly, as I was trying to figure out what to pick from this gargantuan list of stuff, there's a manifest moment that makes even a larger impression on me as I remember our very first season one reviews. Mm. And without question, it would be being able to review a show with a friend after just watching it. 
Yeah. For those that don't know anything about entertainment review, one of the things that almost never happens, especially when there's a group or an entourage of people that review something together, Mm -hmm. typically they don't ever see it together. Right. Like, ever. Like, okay, we're going to review the movie of blah, 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 blah. Remember that movie? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, you watch it at your house. I'll watch it when I got time. And, you know, maybe he, I don't think he's going to watch it, but he'll come and review it with us anyway. That typically is what happens very often inside of especially podcasting. Right. But also inside of just about every single entertainment circle you can imagine where the word critique is involved. Mm-hmm. What I appreciated most about season one was it is the very first time ever in my 14 years of podcasting where I was able to watch at least one episode of the show. Because very often what Nick and I would do is we'd come out on Sunday, we'd watch one episode, do the podcast, we'd do a second episode, and then do a second podcast. And that is what I hold as my manifest moment because it's so much fun. Yeah, There is a piece of the chemistry set that I referenced at the very beginning of the podcast Mm -hmm. that refers specifically to knowing each other's mannerisms and knowing (laughs) where you might go in a conversation. Or can you pick up a ball that I might accidentally drop out there and you're able to come in and with appropriately sounding scooping comments help me out of a jam? And the answer is you obviously do. And I so appreciate that about what we've created inside of the Curious Kids podcast way more than any of these 26 stupid programs. Wow. Okay. Okay. Always trying to outdo me, Wilkerson. Hey, that's what what the podcasting guru slash (laughs) OG is for. That's right. That's right. You are the OG and I am just the Padawan. Right. Anyway, the gist here is that finding value inside of any of these episodes or the entire season of this show is incredibly easy and we encourage all of you to go and pick up the dvd set which you can find again over at our website Mm -hmm. that's curiousgoodspodcast.com you'll find a link to the dvd set online right now it's incredibly inexpensive and it is so worth the addition into your dvd library again go check it out at curiousgoodspodcast.com Finding the segue into season two isn't really all that difficult. Yeah. We've seen 26 different episodes across a variety of different objects involving, yes, our heroic troop of three, but also another 30 or 50 different people that are involved. Mm -hmm. And what comes from that is speculation for season two. What are you looking for inside the next season of this series, Nick? When I first saw this show, it was on syndication. Uh, KPLR Channel 11 here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. I was still in single digits. I was I was a young and I was like nine years old when this show came out. Right. And I was actually talking to a bunch of buddies about it, how we used to live our young lives. It was Friday, yeah, school week's over. Friday, you want to stay up late, but you can't because you want to get up real early for Saturday morning cartoons. Right. And for any of uh, any of our listeners who don't know what that is, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> we'll include a link over to Saturday Cartoons over at YouTube just for you so yeah, you can maybe. Because once kind of upon a time, it. before there was a one channel that had nothing but cartoons on it, every Saturday, every channel had cartoons on it. But I digress. So you'd get up really early on Saturday, but you would want to stay up really late on Saturday night mm-hmm. because that's when they would play these anthology shows Tales from the Dark Side. 
Tales from the Crypt, Friday the 13th, the series. And after you had the crap scared out of you, because, you know, you're a young kid and you know, things are much more serious when you're, so, when you're younger, you'd also stay up just a little bit longer to watch the Three Stooges so you'd get a couple of belly rolls before you lay, lay down and not have any nightmares. I do not remember any kind of sequential order to any of these episodes. In our reviews, we've mentioned, I remember this episode. I remember watching this one. I don't remember seeing this one at all. There's one episode that sticks out in my mind, and we have not seen it yet. It wasn't in season one. I don't know if it's in season two. But I know that it revolves around a wheelchair. Hmm. And the wheelchair allows the person who's in the wheelchair to move about and get revenge on whoever they need to get revenge on. And if they kill a certain amount of people, they will no longer need the wheelchair. Hmm. And I remember it revolved around a teenage girl who... I, I believe was being uh, was about to be raped by a, a bunch of teenage boys, and as she's running away, she gets hit by a car. Mm. So now she's she's paralyzed and she's stuck in this chair. Interesting. And see the mechanics of what you've just described, mm -hmm. in particular that it's a girl, make it a very interesting landscape of wonder, mm -hmm. because the mechanics of the of the objects inside of Friday the 13th, the series. I'm not kidding. They're easily the most interesting part. Oh, as yeah. much as I love the characters that we've talked about, there's no doubt in my mind that the actual breakdown or the, you know, like the, the, the Marvel encyclopedia for all of the objects right. would be incredibly interesting to just yeah. see, yeah. to see where they've, they've wanted to take it. This show could stand on its own if it was just about the items and the effect it had on the people around them. You didn't have to insert three heroes and an antique store. Yeah. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad that they've done that because now we actually have a wider universe. Yeah. Well, if but, they didn't do that, then it would just be Ripley's Believe It or Not. Well, it would be like items. every other horror anthology show yeah. from that time. Yeah. So what I'm looking forward to is seeing more episodes that bring back that nostalgic feel of being a little kid and watching something that I was probably too young to be watching at the time. Mm -hmm. This is no this is no secret for anybody listening. While we're watching these episodes, we crack jokes. Oh yeah. Because th they can be a little laughable, but we take the review of every episode very seriously. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that nostalgic feeling and then bringing that nostalgia into our reviews. What about you, Mike? What are you looking forward to moving into season 2? What I'm most looking forward to is the, the second season of this series, I don't think I've ever seen any of it. Mm, okay. I've never seen anything inside of the third season of this show. Mm -hmm. And so what I look forward to most is something I look very much forward to when I get home at night and my wife and I have to watch one hour of television together before we go to bed. And that's exactly what I'm excited about inside of this next season is yeah. that unless I'm missing something... I remember specifically not being in the position to sit and watch television at this point in my life in 1980, right. end of 88, into 89-ish. Yeah. I remember specifically not having any time or ability, frankly, to watch <laughs> television. Right. And so I'm very excited to see not only what I've missed, but to reminisce on the pieces parts that I know I absolutely missed out. And, of course, to review them with you. 
So we look forward to seeing you during our entire review of Season 2 of Friday the 13th, this series here on the Curious Goods Podcast. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. And musical interlude. And <laughs> some sound effectness, something. <clears throat> and you're going to have to help me on format here because I understand the words that were coming out of your mouth, but I right. want some guidance. Okay, well, I guess we're going to go through the sheet. Panic! I'm not panicking, I'm just <sighs> rethinking your life, and then you want to call the hall deep. Then you want to call you you want to call the whole deal off, man. He's a fucking cop. <laughs> I don't know what what the hell happened there. So awesome. Object that they go to try to uh, reacquire. Reacquire. Why did I all of a sudden get French? I don't know, but perhaps if we do the rest of the episode like this, like this, maybe the people in French Canada will like us again. Maybe not. Definitely not. <laughs>